brain might turn to putty. But there's still a chance to learn. We'll be your study buddies. We're going to talk about some stuff and make research cool. Welcome back to another episode of Study Buddies, the podcast that brings you the latest in science and psychology. And sometimes more. My name is Paula Sanchez Abreu. And my name is Taylor Collins. What's up, Taylor? How you doing? Hey, Paula. How are you doing on this fine, fine morning that we are recording? I'm doing good. I'm later today. My cousin is coming over and we're going to have a family gossip session. We're going to gossip about all the family things that I learned when I was in the Dominican Republic last week. Oh, my gosh. So all of the all of the recent drama that has happened yeah. in the DR. Yeah. Wait, and can I all join? the things in my this, family. This sounds amazing. I want to be there. Gossip is fun, right? It's very fun. Sure is. Speaking of that, what study are we looking at during today's episode? Well, we were talking about gossip because the study we're talking about today is entitled Gossip Drives Vicarious Learning and Facilitates Social Connection by Ishan Jolly and Luke J. Chang. It was published in Current Biology in June 2021. So with that in mind, Taylor, do you have any ideas from your pre-existing knowledge bank about why gossip may be beneficial? Uh, because it led Missy Elliott to write the song Gossip Folks, which is like a really good song. Sure. That's that's exactly why. <laughs> um, well, also because it's like really entertaining to listen to. And I feel like... The song or gossip? <laughs> okay, well, both. <laughs> I agree. I mean, I always heard that gossip was like an evolutionary thing that mostly women in history has done because it's kept them safe, like avoiding dangerous men and devious people mm. that would take advantage of you, et cetera, things like that. Because after all, in the past, reputation was all you had. Oh, so like it used to be how you get information as to like what are the things to avoid. Right. That's like why I always thought it had evolved to be a thing that we did. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. I thought it evolved to be like the basis for shows like Grey's Anatomy. But <laughs> anyway, how did this study come about? Well, we are a people that, crazily enough, talk a lot. And we talk about all sorts of things. Apparently, on average, people speak about 16,000 words in a typical day, which, to be honest, you and I may be above average because you know your girls love to chit chat. But yeah, we got to be at least like 25, honestly. Right. Right. But apparently, at least 65% of conversations involve discussing social topics. And social topics include sharing information about yourself, otherwise known as self-disclosure, and sharing about others, known among fellow Spanish speakers as chisme, and known throughout the USA as gossip. Okay, chisme is a way more fun word than gossip. But I know. tell us how, like, why are people gossiping? Why do we need to talk about each other as much as we do? Well, there have actually been a lot of hypotheses about hypotheses rather about this but overall research (laughs) overall research thus far has 
a bit of a limited understanding because a lot of scientists can't come to a consensus about what counts as gossip, which to me is hilarious. I just picture a bunch of lab-coated nerds gossiping about their fellow colleagues who don't agree with them about what gossiping is. Like, we can show them (laughs) gossiping. We can actually just videotape our conversation where we're talking about how stupid and dumb they are being and send it to them and then see, let's see if then they think it's gossiping. I can't believe that Rachel really doesn't think this is gossiping. Like, this is literally gossiping. Like, if she doesn't think this is gossiping, I will show her what gossiping is. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, that's primarily negative conversation behind someone's back. Is that all that gossip is? Well, that's an important question, Taylor. The word gossip historically has a negative connotation. Like We've understood gossip to be a key tool in learning the reputations of others and ostracizing others based on their reputations. Oh, can anyone say the words middle school? That's right. This is also known as social policing, which is a way of establishing social norms and somewhat shunning people that don't remain, that don't maintain a positive reputation. Mm-hmm. But a recent study found that gossip overall was primarily neutral in content rather than strongly positive or negative. The study found that. of people's daily conversations were gossip, which is, in my opinion, small. And again, I would like to posit that I'm above average because I love talking about people so much. But (laughs) the the most interesting finding in this study was that the content of that cheese is actually more neutral. So we aren't being Regina George when we're gossiping. We're being more like uh, someone else that's more neutral. Sweden. We're being Sweden. Oh, okay. Okay. We love Sweden. Yes. Good healthcare. Very Mm. tall people. Mm -hmm. Excellent country from what I've heard. Absolutely. And I have heard because gossip. Because gossip. So, excellent. Our gossip is mostly neutral. Tell us about the experiments in this study. How is it tackling figuring out what the role of gossip is in groups beyond just reputation building and management? Okay. Well... First, I have to ask, are you all ready for a freaking computer game experiment? Do not tell me they had everyone play like Candy Crush or Pac-Man or something. (laughs) I mean, honestly, close. They did design a computer game to conduct this experiment, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's first start at the beginning. The researchers recruited upwards of 2,000 people from an online database, and those people consented to being a part of the study because, as we know, consent is sexy in the bedroom and also in science. They then went on to make sure that all these folks were computer game literate because being able to fully participate was crucial to the integrity of the study. Wait, wait, wait. Computer game literate? Absolutely. Like, some people don't know how to play computer games Taylor like oh, I oh, don't know I know I'm games. sorry that <laughs> needs to be a new insult like the whole gaming industry has like noobs but we need to be like no bro you are not computer game literate like <laughs> science has told you well I'm so glad that their researchers could entertain you so with their language <laughs> so how many people did they end up kicking out once they found out all of the people who are noobs So after comprehension tests, they ended up kicking out those who didn't pass, and they ended up with 954 participants for the study after starting out with 2,000. 
Oh my gosh. That's a lot of non-gamers in the gamer group. Absolutely. So that's a lot of people. What a what a brutal elimination. Yeah, but it was worth it for science. So <laughs> anyways, these 954 participants, they were randomly assigned a condition. And we'll get to the condition soon. Um, but they were randomly assigned to a condition and then matched in groups of six. And there was an incentive in this computer game experiment. People, uh, participants were given a base pay of $1.50 to start, and then they could make a bonus up to $4.50 maximum, depending on the decisions made by their group. Ooh, very, very lucrative, making straight bank. Exactly. So, in the experiment, each group played a 10-round public goods style game. Tay, do you know what kind of game that is? Uh, public goods, uh... I actually don't, but luckily you have provided me with a wonderful explanation to read here, which says, in a basic public <laughs> good style game, each player chooses how many private tokens they are going to put into a public pot. Then at the end mm -hmm. of the game, each player keeps their remaining tokens and the public pot gets multiplied and then distributed evenly among the players. That's it. Honestly, it sounds like a really fun computer game that would require some strategy and a little bit of risk so you don't lose more than you could gain. So right. it's a really interesting way to look at like communities and how people can cooperate to like have a greater win at the end. Mm, like kind of like socialism meets gambling. That Yes, uh, that's a great way to describe the game. Which are like Honestly, two of my favorite things, so I really should plus gaming. So I should have been recruited for this study, and I'm upset that I wasn't. Yes, you should have. Um, I feel like I would have made up to 450. <laughs> I would have made the right decision. Okay, well, let's get into some conditions now that we've established the game. Are you freaking ready for conditions? I am ready. I am, I am ready like SpongeBob. How does that go? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> so there were four variants of the game information complete or information and communication or no communication <laughs> that's confusing but i'm gonna explain so any information complete and communication variant a participant could communicate with one other player in the game via messaging, and every participant could see the actions of their fellow game players. Okay. That's one condition. Two, in the information incomplete and communication, you could only see what two other players were doing. Okay. But you can still communicate with one other player in the game. Now... In the information complete and no communication variant, you can see what everyone in the game is doing, but there's no messaging allowed. And in the information incomplete and no communication variant, you can only see the actions of two other players and you can't message another player. Risky. Oh, okay. So basically, there's kind of two things that are changing, whether or not you can see actions of other players like all of the actions are just some or mm -hmm. whether or not you can talk to other players or not exactly yeah and they kind of like pair up each of those scenarios so Ooh. there's four different conditions cool okay that sounds like a boatload of fun so <laughs> what were they measuring for in the game 
Okay, well, let's put a pin in this first experiment just really quick because there was a secondary experiment that's crucial to this first one. Okay, okay, so the, the pin is in what is the second experiment? Ex- experiment! <laughs> so remember when scientists couldn't decide what gossip was? That was a fun time. Well, these researchers decided they were going to get to the bottom of it, and they gathered an additional sample of 1,454 people from this online database, and they had those people label all the messages sent in the computer game. So they were given a list of 10 labels and definitions of each label. So examples of the labels were, um, quote, discussing others, inquiry, casual chit-chat, strategy, random, etc. And then after looking at the list, they had to take a test to also be sure that they understood each label. And after uh-huh. another brutal elimination, they ended up with 381 participants to go through and label the messages sent in the computer game. Wow, that's so cool. So they basically <laughs> recruited participants to label the data from the participants. Exactly. So they could have kind of a, a neutral idea since scientists can't decide what gossip is. Okay. So one of the things they were measuring for is what kind of messaging was happening in the game that allowed for communication. Precisely. So they were able to have the messages labeled and quantified. And then they also took another measure. The researchers wanted to measure how much the participants liked each other after the game was over. So they wanted to measure for what they called affinity, oh, which is wait, how wait, much wait, hold participants on. like each other. I, I would love I would love to have this happen in my friend group because you would think we were all mortal enemies at the end of each of our games because the, the competition is fierce. So <laughs> I would be very impressed if people people had a strong affinity afterwards. Yeah, they definitely wanted to measure for that affinity. So at the end of each game, each participant rated their desire to play with each individual player again. (laughs) (laughs) They also wanted to see how people would learn from gossip. So they ran statistics to see how, depending on the variant of the game, like what condition they were in, participants' past behavior how much they contribute to the public pot per round. A.K.A. stinginess. Yes. Would it influence other participants' future behavior in the following rounds? Okay, got it. So it sounds like with all of these different measures and variables and labels, that there were plenty of fancy statistics to run. Fancy statistics! Yes, ma'am. The researchers used all these measurements to make some plot lines, run some stats, and get some results. 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 Tell us the results. So, just to refresh, this study was looking at four different things to begin with. One, what social circumstances lead people to gossip? Two, what role does it play in information sharing and learning through others? Three, How does it affect our impressions of others and our ability to bond? And four, how does it influence cooperative group behavior? And when they compared all these different measurements and variants to each other, they found... Drumroll, please. Excellent. They found one. When compared to games with complete information, 
games with incomplete information contained more spontaneous discussions about others' behavior. Okay. So when participants couldn't see what everyone in the game was doing, they were more likely to talk to a partner about others. So they were like, basically, okay, well, we don't have a full picture, so I'm going to talk more to get more of a full picture. I'm going to try to exactly. figure it out via gossip. Via gossip. Incomplete information games also contained more random messages, while complete information games had a wired, wider array of message categories, the largest being casual chit-chat. Oh, so interesting. Like, when you have all the information, you'd more, be more likely to talk about, like, neutral, casual things because you kind of already exactly. had the same information. Right. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And then three, they found that when communication or also gossip was allowed in the game, participants' past rounds were predictive of how each individual participant would contribute in a future round. So participants were learning from that communication, which included gossip, and applying what they had learned. Oh, that makes me think of like, so if, say I only put, I don't know exactly what like the finances of the game were, but say I only put two coins in on one round, and you messaged me and you were like, can you believe that Stacy only put one coin in? Or Stacey yeah. only put two coins in, but I knew I was going to only put two coins in. I might have been like, oh, wait, actually, I'll put three because Stacy yes. was stingy. So I don't want to be like Stacy and be stingy. So I'll yes, yes, exactly. That's exactly it. Learning from that gossip and then applying that. Um, and then another result was when communication was allowed, communication partners had similar affinity ratings for the other participants in the game. So gossip buddies tended to develop the same feelings about others. And even more, communication partners who reported strong affinity for each other also shared similar impressions of other players. So basically, partners that liked each other shared a lot of really similar thoughts and opinions about other players in their group. Oh, which I feel like is just like something we all see in social groups normally it's like we don't like that person <laughs> or like yes, we collectively yeah. have decided that person is good bad or medium exactly and then another result is that communication partners reported the highest affinity for each other Aww. compared to affinities for others so the communication buddy was liked the best yeah and then typically in these public good games, participants' contributions to the public pot decrease each round. But in this experiment, they say that games where communication between players was possible, there was less of a decline in contributions. Participants, in fact, contributed more on average when they could communicate. So communication lent itself to more community sharing. Yeah, so basically it sounds like as people communicated, they became more connected to their other participants and wanted to share more. So essentially, exactly. if we just gossip all the time, we'll be really great people. Question mark. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, before we jump to suggestions, <laughs> there's one last result. Um, interestingly, the more gossip happened within a group, the more cooperative the group was as a whole, regardless of whether there was complete or incomplete information. So your last point, Taylor, is not necessarily Oh, my untrue. goodness. <laughs> I can't believe my, like, dramatic point that I didn't really lean into too much was right. Okay. Well, this is all I know. super crazy. What did the researchers say it suggested? Well, one of the exciting findings that people 
uh, was that people are more likely to gossip when they have missing information and that gossip can be a helpful information source when there is missing information. So that's one really exciting finding. And also this experiment and its findings suggest that gossip plays a key role in bringing people closer together and it brings people to have similar opinions about others. And then last but not least, the study suggested that gossip can create more cooperative behavior across the board, which is a nutso-butso. <laughs> okay. And what, what were the limitations of this study? Of course, because there's always limitations. Always limitations. One of them was that there were no constraints to the kind of messaging that could be sent in the communication variant. Um, Which means that if there were like large imbalances in the messaging of a specific type that could skew the averages. Um, So like if I spammed the chat with like lol, lol, Yeah, exactly. Like there was no limitations or constraints to that kind of messaging. Um, So that does affect the, the measures and the statistics. And if... Another thing was that if they were going to repeat this study in the future, they could allow participants to have longer ongoing conversations throughout the rounds rather than the two message maximum per round that they had. Another thing that would be really interesting to see, um, it would be cool to see what would happen if the participants had more than one communication partner. Like I think that would mimic real life a little bit better. Um, And I'm curious how that would influence the cooperative nature um, that gossip encouraged in this experiment. Because, like, think about, I mean, this brings me to the TV show Survivor. Yeah, exactly. When you play Survivor, you you don't have just, like, one communication partner. Like, you are playing the field. Right. Right? You are communicating with your – so it may actually, I wonder, maybe be more competitive in that sense. Yeah, Exactly. Um, but that's the study as a whole. There's so much more research to be done in this arena, um, as there always is in the social sciences. But forever researching, forever researching and forever study buddies, I guess. Oh. I have to be honest because I'm just like looking at Paula with her review of this study, and her face is lit up, her eyes are <laughs> bright, she is shiny, her smile is wide, her mouth is open, and she is ready. And I think it is because she just got like the green light to gossip forever and she is amped about it. <laughs> I have to tell you that is 100% what's going on. All I'm trying to do is create a more cooperative society. <laughs> Taylor. <laughs> Guys, can you believe it? Well, with that being said, um, that's the study for this week. I'm pumped for passing notes next week. It's going to be a fun one to gossip about. Oh, yeah. all right well thank you so much for joining us for another episode another study this week and we'll see you back next tuesday for our passing notes app bye guys bye-bye you can follow study buddies on instagram at study buddies podcast or send us an email at study buddies podcast at gmail.com study buddies is created and produced by paula sanchez abreu and taylor collins our podcast is edited by renee collette Our music was composed by singer-songwriter Caught in Between. Our graphics were designed by Monica Ray Summers-Gonzalez. Our social media is run by Karen Dio. Media photography by Sherry Lynn Photography.